title of this sermon series will be Fellowship That's Full. Fellowship That is Full. And so the scripture reference for this particular series is 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. And we hear John penning and writing and sharing these particular words with us. It reads, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. So he gives us these words about the essence of fellowship, and that if we truly look at all the fellowship or relationships that we have, it starts with Father God and Jesus Christ. And it's so important that we get that right, and we are earnestly desiring that fellowship, that relationship to be strengthened, because it affects all others. It is truly the beginning that all others fall under. The Bible tells us, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. But let me take a moment to define and us look at fellowship, that word a little bit, because we can think in our everyday thinking that it means friendly association or casual acquaintances. And if we're not careful, we can operate that way, that we are going in and out of places, faces, and situations, but we're never truly becoming all that God has us to be in relationship with him and in relationship with others. We're like ships passing in the night. We see each other. We know that we exist, but do we truly have a knowing? The word fellowship is derived in the Greek from the word Kononia. And this word kononia can be defined as holding something in common, that there needs to be some commonality, there needs to be some, some same interest for us to be able to be in fellowship. Kononia describes the unity of the spirit that comes from Christians' shared beliefs, convictions, and behaviors that there is some commonality in what we believe and there's some commonality in our conviction. What do we see to be right and worthy for us to follow? And our behaviors, that the word of God is not just for faith for us to believe, but also for us to practice, to walk it out, to live peaceably with all men, to do the things that Jesus did. And so when those shared values are in place, genuine koinonia, biblical fellowship occurs. This fellowship produces a mutual cooperation in God's worship, just like we had. We worshiped him. We spent a moment to see him, to hear from him to dwell in him for God's work, that he gives us a work and that there's some commonality in that work, 
And there's a desire to go to meet that work that God has placed in our hands. And that God's will is being done in the world. That just as Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. That we as believers are doing the same thing, saying not our will, but your will be done, Lord. So the book of 1 John that we're going to be looking at for a couple of weeks is a book about this fellowship. Or should I say relationships? The beginning of relationships, the existence of real and authentic relationships, and how they are cultivated or grown. And how those relationships can be strained or hindered or even cease and end if we're not doing it the way God tells us to do it. Hopefully over the next couple of weeks we'll look at a couple of things. We'll look at first and foremost today, is your fellowship, your relationship real? Or are you just like somebody used to tell me long ago, they say just faking it till you can make it. Is your relationship real? Is your fellowship with the Lord and with others real? And then maybe we would look at our fellowship with God the Father and God the Son and what that truly means and what that looks like. And spend some time looking at our relationship with others. And then our relationship with the world. How it should be put in its proper place. The sermon title for today's message is, Is Your Fellowship your relationship real. If you would turn with me into your, in your Bibles or your tablets or your smartphones to 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. We just read 3 and 4 that talked about fellowship. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, that your joy may be full. But John pens verse 1 and 2, and I believe for a divine reason, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 reads, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Many of you would say, I don't know how to have a relationship with God. Maybe you've said that before. Maybe you've thought it. You know, you've been in church your whole life. And I remember on many instances I've had individuals say to me, when I've asked them about their relationship and them being a Christian, they say, well, I've been a Christian all my life. I was born into it. That's not exactly how it works. And that's not the true essence of a relationship. It's kind of coexisting in the environment that's before us. And so maybe we would ask some questions to help us to get to that place of real, authentic fellowship with the Lord. Maybe the first question would be, who is at the center of your relationship? Is it Jesus Christ? Is it self? Is it self-interest? Why do you do what you do? 
How do you get up in the morning and come to church? Why do you pray before meals? Why do you say your prayer at night before you get in bed? Why do you do what you do? It's because you, you believe it's the right thing to do and you know that you should do something? Or is it because you know that he's listening, that he's ever-present, that he's right there? He's closer than our very breath. Maybe you would ask the question, Why or who's the center of your attention? Who's the center of your attention? Who's gripping your heart? What's constantly on your mind? Is it a particular interest or hobby that you have? Is it an obligation because of maybe blood or relatives that you were born into it? And that's the thing that kind of keeps you going and doing what you do. What makes the relationship work? See, Judy Harrell said this, you were put on this earth to have fellowship with the living God. Not a God that's just words on a paper. Not a God that's a historical God, but a God that is the living God. You were created and fashioned in his image and in his likeness to have fellowship with him. Neil Anderson said this, a loneliness can lead to loneliness. A loneliness can lead to loneliness. God's preventive for loneliness is intimacy, meaningful, open, sharing relationships with him and with one another. In Christ, we have a capacity for, feeling, for the fulfilling sense of belonging, which comes from intimate fellowship with God and with other believers. This morning, I'm just speaking about one of our brothers here said, our source on the inside of us is the living God. See, he's living. He's not dead. He's not just on paper, but he's living ever present right now. As we're looking at 1 John, let's take a moment to examine a few things. First, we examine who wrote this. John, this is the same John who was the apostle John, who wrote the book of John. And see, in 1 John, we see more than just the apostle. We see the evangelist John. He's evangelizing and he's speaking, and he's wanting to reach others for Christ. So in this particular text, he's at Ephesus, when he's writing this, and he's in advanced age, he's getting up there, and so, you know, when you get a little older, you cut to the chase, right? 
See, John understood that to be the disciple of Jesus Christ, one of the key elements of that was to love Jesus, to want to be in relationship with Jesus. And so we see this very thing where the scriptures kind of speak to John being the disciple that Jesus loved. See, love begets love. In John 13, 23, it says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. See, the apostle John is being very close to him. He's spending time with Jesus. He's present in the critical moments of Jesus' life on this earth. He was there witnessing the transfiguration and the raising of Jairus' daughter. He was there accompanying Jesus the night before he was crucified, and they took him from the Garden of Gethsemane. So we see in Scripture over and over, Jesus and John were together, spending time, growing in their intimate relationship with one another. See, so often we can hear but not hear. We can see but not see. Depending on what we are focused on and giving our attention to, we can miss what's right around us. And so part of John's intimate relationship with Jesus is he wasn't missing anything. He was watching closely. He was intent in his relationship. So John desires to explain what we have here in Christ. In these first two verses, John begins this passage by saying, that which was from the beginning. In the beginning was the word. See, John writes this. He's not writing this from a context of Genesis 1 that speaks about the beginning of creation, the beginning of the world form, but he's writing this speaking from the context of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Would you turn with me there? In John, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 2 said, the same was in the beginning with God. See, John has given us a message here. He's given us a context here for us to understand. He's saying to us that let's broaden our understanding, our thought process a little bit. Because so often, if we're not careful, we can bring God and put him in a human box. And if we look at it from the perspective of Genesis 1-1, he created the heavens and the earth. He created mankind. He created the cattle and everything that creepeth upon the earth. Then we can say, well, Jesus was like us in flesh. And it can limit our understanding. So John gives us John 1, and he says, in the beginning was the Word. See, Jesus was the Word. God is His living Word ever before man was created. He's timeless. 
And so often, sometimes we can look at it now and we can say, well, well, I can't see Jesus like John saw him in the flesh. I can't feel Jesus like he was able to feel Jesus and putting his head on his, on his bosom, on his chest. See, he has something I don't have. So it doesn't feel the same way to me today. I can't grasp it the same way. But he said, wait a minute, hold on, saints of God, hold on. We need to see something here. Jesus was the word before he was ever the flesh. He existed in the embodiment of who God is, of God's word, before he ever walked among us. See, that was truly who he is before he ever did what he did. And it's so important that we see it. Because the same Jesus that was in the beginning, who was the Word, who was God, is the same Jesus we have today. The same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So sometimes we say it don't feel real to me. It don't, it don't feel like I can have it like they have it. Oh, yes, you can. If you allow yourself to have eyes to see, ears to hear. If you look upon it, meditate on it, hold tightly. See, yes, we don't have the flesh of Christ. But make no mistake about it, we have Christ. John is making this emphasis. Don't ignore or miss the word because the word is God. We know God is life and his word is in him that his word is life. So John, he writes first John and he says, that which was always God from the beginning came to us. And we heard, and we seen, and we looked upon, and we handled the life. That life was made real unto us. And guess what, saints, it could be made real unto you. So go back to 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 with me. See, there's something that happens here. John makes the statement in Verse 1, there's parenthesis in verse 2, and meaning in support of the first verse. See, the first verse says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. See, the word became flesh and walked among them. But John makes this parenthesis in verse 2. For the life was manifested. Is that where manifested means made real? So we were able to do something. See, in our infant state, in our doubt and unbelief, Jesus came in the flesh. He made himself real. He made it so that we could handle and see and witness and show unto us that eternal life. 
Jesus did that. Which was always with the Father. And now it's being manifested unto us. And so he makes this emphasis, the word of life. See, it's so important, saints, that we make the word of life real in us. And our belief and our understanding and our walk and our practice. John accounts of this word. John gives firsthand account of hearing the word of life in living form. We even see it in John 1 verse 14. He says this, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, we got to have firsthand account of God with us. Where all of his grace, his unmerited favor upon us, and his truth. But saints, if we're not careful, we can make light are so little of the word of God. See, sometimes we want to have fellowship without the word of life. And I'm here to tell you that you can't. It's impossible to have true fellowship without the word of life. It's no way. We're just faking it till we make it. We're just going through the motions. See, God wants to come off these pages. He wants to come alive for each and every one of us. He wants us to see us in the fullness of who he is and his plans and purposes for us. That we too say he's real. He's not a figment of our imagination. He's not just some good feeling words, but he's real. And so when anyone else tries to tell us that he's not, we're able to confidently say, I don't know about you, but I've seen him for myself. I've heard him in my own ears. I've handled him, and I know that he's real. He's a good God. See, he says, we have heard, they heard Jesus. Bible reminds us, let him that have ears to hear, let him hear. Saints, that means we got to take the spiritual wax out of our ears and listen for the Spirit to speak through his word. It comes off and we're able to see without seeing. We're able to get into the hidden truths of God's word. We're able to see God speaking in a mighty way. And he speaks personally to each and every one of us if we let him. See, that's the Shema, that active hearing and listening and responding to that sweet, sweet voice of the Lord. As you seek to know him, he will show himself mightily. He's never just going to leave you there when you're seeking him. He says, knock, and the door shall be open. Seek, and you shall find. 
If you get, I dare you to get in this word and seek the Lord. And you tell me whether or not he didn't show up and show you and speak to you and love on you and strengthen you. And John went on to say, which we have seen with our eyes. See, they saw Jesus in the natural, but he wasn't talking so much about that. More so, have we seen him in the spirit? With our spiritual eyes, have we looked behind the veil? See, God is moving right in front of us. But look what we see here in John, the 20th chapter, verse 25 through 29. We see Thomas. We affectionately call him Doubting Thomas. And Thomas is kind of going through some things because he's emotional right now. Jesus had been crucified, and, and, and he's, he probably saw Jesus being murdered. And so when they tell him that Jesus is alive, that they've seen him, he says this. In verse 24, 25, the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. And then came Jesus, the door being shut. Jesus just came in, stood in the midst of them, and said, peace be unto you. And Jesus didn't waste any time. Jesus knew his time was short too, so he went straight to Thomas and said, reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen naturally yet have believed. Trust. Trusting his word. Watching him show himself to be true over and over again. See, God has done something beautifully and amazing in and through us. We get to trust him even though we don't see him naturally. We get to stand on the promises of God. And he says we're blessed because of it. Be not faithless, but believing. And so John gives us this last portion. He says, which we have looked upon and our hands did handle. See, he's speaking that they had an opportunity to be with Jesus they had an opportunity to meditate and think about all the things that he's done, but so do we. See, look over your life. 
Examine your life just a little bit, even if you're young. There are footprints of God's wonderful work all over it. If we just stop for a moment and look and examine and wrestle with, could we have really done it for ourselves? Or did we need a miracle-making God. And if he did it for you, why wouldn't he do it for someone else? He's no respect of person. See, they had time to meditate on the reasons for and the purpose of Jesus. They were able to try him for themselves. See, saints, we have that same ability today to try him for ourselves, to meditate on him and the things that he has done and is doing. We get to handle and wrestle with it all, with his word. Have you ever wrestled with God's word? He's just like, I don't get it. And then when a little time goes on, God just kind of, Opens the eyes of your understanding. It gives you a little bit more. You're able to chew a little deeper. You're able to see some things a little clearer. Because you didn't stop wrestling with it. If you stop, you'll never see it. You'll stay in that same place. It'll never really be real to you. You'll just go through the motions. It'll just be a religion to you. See, I'm not talking about salvation so much because you can accept the Lord, you can receive him as Lord and Savior, and then you can just kind of drop him off at the bus stop and miss the realness, the intimate relationship that he wants to have with you. See, John was sharing the life of Jesus, how it was made real. When he allowed himself to engage with Christ, to look upon him, to handle. See, we just think about what some of the ancient Christians said when they were walking with Christ on the road to Emmaus. Luke, the 24th chapter, verse 30 through 32. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us? While we talked, while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. So they were able to hear, they were able to receive from Jesus the, the word of God. And it caused something to happen on the inside of them. Their hearts burned within them. So they got on the journey with him. 
even though there had been some things in the natural that had happened, and maybe you've had some things in the natural that's happened in your life. And you've had a moment of feeling and thinking like, Thomas, unless I see it with my own eyes, I won't believe it. But God is ever-present right now. He wants to speak to us. He wants to get on the journey with us and walk with us through this life so that our hearts would burn within us as he opens his word unto us, which is life which is who he is, that we would actively engage in the word of life. Remember, the word became flesh, became real. The word is real today. And it dwelt among them. That word dwelt means to remain, to live in residence. He wants to live in residence in us today. He wants to be with us through every situation of life. Remember what Paul said in, when he used the very same statement in Philippians 2, verse 16. He spoke about wherefore, and you remember a few weeks ago I preached a message on work it out, that we work out our own soul salvation, that do we believe what he says. And so we see here, he says, we work out all of these things so that we can hold forth the word of life. That we would see it as the word of life. And that we would be able to hold it up in our life and for somebody else. So for your relationship with the Lord to be real, saints of God, you must be in fellowship with him. Not just acquainted with them, but to be in fellowship. It starts with his word. It starts with his Holy Spirit moving and breathing through his word and through us. And so the question is, are you making it real? John is talking about Jesus. He's telling us that Jesus is just as real today as he was when John first laid eyes on him. Because he was from the very beginning, the word of life. You can hear him if you listen closely. You can see him. He's ever present. You can look upon him. As you study his word, he reveals himself. In the situations of life, he reveals himself. And you can handle him through his word. Hold on tightly to him. He loves you so much. Saints of God, there's no other way. His word is living. It is the word of life. Make him real your life make him so real people think you crazy that they think you radical that they will look at you and say are you in some kind of cult and I guarantee you you'll never regret it his fellowship is sweet 
is sweeter than honeycomb. It's better than anything that we could ever have in this world. And he so desired that our joy would be full. Not superficial. Not the joy of acquaintances. But a sincere, abiding, real relationship with God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. You can have it. Seek it, and he'll meet you at the very point of your need.